In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you Bethlehem and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent the Magi to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When the Magi heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy on entering the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to return to Herod. They left for their own country by another road. This is the gospel of the Lord. As I had mentioned earlier today, we celebrate Epiphany. This day, the Magi find the Christ child by way of a star and offer him gifts. But this day is much more than just gifts. It's about a choice between two kings. And in order for us to understand the choice that this day puts before us, we have to know a little bit more about one of these kings, King Herod. We don't hear much about this Herod in the New Testament, but there's a lot that's known about him outside of biblical literature. He ruled for nearly 40 years. And he had a pretty good administration. At 37 BCE, he was given the title King of the Jews by Rome. And he was liked by Rome because he did what they told him to do. He kept the peace amongst the Jewish people and he kept them happy. That was his job. To make the occupation seem not so bad. He was pretty good at this. That's why he was known as Herod the Great. He led these huge building campaigns throughout the cities in his area. He constructed fortresses. He built aqueducts. He made theaters. And above all, he rebuilt the temple in all of its glory. But none of this work or these accomplishments came free. And the burden to pay for it all fell on the Jewish people in form of taxes. He taxed the people severely. 
Yet worse than his taxes was Herod's own insecurity. He was constantly plagued with paranoia that someone was trying to oust him. It was so bad that he divorced his first wife and exiled both her and his son. Then by the end of his life, he had killed his mother, another wife, and three out of his four sons. Now maybe we aren't so surprised that when three strangers ride into town asking where the new king of the Jews has been born, he doesn't hesitate to kill all the infants in Bethlehem. But the strange thing is that everyone loved what Herod could do. But they also hated what they cost him. Herod appeared to have all of the people's interest in mind, yet ultimately his concern was to appease Rome and to remain in power. And he would do everything that he could to keep it that way. We see the true Herod when these wise men show up from the east, likely from modern-day Iran. And they arrive in Jerusalem and unknowingly ask a question that could have gotten them killed. Where is the new king of the Jews? Well, Herod was king of the Jews. The very question frightened him. And because it frightened him, it frightened all of Jerusalem because... They knew the damage that he could do. Herod called for the Magi, and in this meeting, we see the paranoia take over because he lies to them in this meeting. We know the end of the story. Herod did not want the Magi to find the baby Jesus so that he could go and also pay homage. He lies to gain trust, to gain loyalty, to get what he wanted. But the Magi, they, they go on. They complete their journey. They find Mary and the baby in a house, not a stable, which is what Luke says. With Joseph nowhere to be found, great timing from the new dad. And it's here that the Magi have a choice. They had already met with Herod. Likely in his palace. He looked like a king. He acted like a king. He had the title of a king. But now they stood in the home of a Palestinian peasant family, looking at an impoverished young woman with a baby. They could have said the star must have been wrong. Surely this baby is no king. He doesn't look like a king. He's not wealthy like a king. Let's take our tribute and our treasures and let's go back to Herod. But they didn't. Instead, they knelt as in worship to this baby and they gave gifts. But not just any gifts. Gifts that say these wise men from another country who practiced another religion really understood who this child was. They gave gold as for a king, 
frankincense to be burned as to a god, myrrh, for the embalming of a mortal. And since no angel visited Mary, telling her all about this baby Jesus, that only happens in Luke and Matthew, the angel only visits Joseph, and we all know how well husbands talk to their wives. It's likely that these gifts told Mary for the very first time who her baby really was. And so with gifts given, the Magi must decide what to do next. Ignore the dream. Tell Herod where the baby is and hope that he was being authentic. Or disregard and disobey the king. And go home by another road. One that's likely longer or more difficult, or unknown altogether. And fortunately, they chose another way. You see, we all have a Herod in our lives. It's that thing, that person, that political party, that lies to you in order to gain some sort of power over you. You call it great because for some time now it's been around. It's made you feel secure. It's done some good things for you, but at a cost you can't afford. It is that thing that makes you think you have the same interests at heart But in reality, it's hurting you more than helping you. Perhaps your Herod is sports. Whether you play them, coach them, watch them, or bet on them. The lie being told is that life is only good when you win. That it should be the most important thing in your life. That your identity is intertwined with this game or this team. And that your value as a person depends on how many points you score, what team you made, how many records you break, or how much money you win. So you put all of your gifts toward this, but it comes at a cost. Or perhaps your Herod is your job. It gives you enough to be satisfied. You've been at it for a while now, so it feels secure. But it tells you that you can always earn more. That you're just a few steps away from that promotion and that your interests really are the same at heart. But they want from you all of your gifts, your time, your talents, all of your treasure, and who benefits the most and at what cost? Or perhaps your Herod is a political party or politician. And in our heightened political times, especially with it being a presidential election year, there are and will be so many Herods pining for your loyalty. They will lie to you to gain your trust. But in reality, 
they will do whatever it takes to gain or remain in power. And if you feel secure, if you feel at home with a party or a politician, that is your Herod. Because as followers of Jesus, we are politically homeless, constantly working to make God's will on earth as it is in heaven, which means critiquing, challenging always the powers that be and doing all that we can to protect the most vulnerable. And when we don't, it comes at a cost. And the cost of all of our Herods, the cost of any Herod, is more than we can bear. It's relationships, it's our identity, it's time, it's the well-being of ourselves and our neighbor, and it's sin. The good news of Epiphany is that Jesus comes to liberate us from our Herods and to give us another kingdom for which you can give your gifts to. He might not look like a king or act like a king, but he bears the title Emmanuel, God with us. And his only interest is forgiveness and reconciliation and salvation for you and for all creation. And he's willing to pay the cost of our sin of all of our Herod on a cross so that you can have all of the gifts that this king offers, grace, love, life eternal, here and now and forevermore. So like the Magi, we too have a choice between two kings. Choosing to follow Jesus is choosing where to place your loyalty and where to give your gifts. It means frustrating those who are in power. It means taking another road, one that is likely longer or more difficult for you or unknown altogether. And it means bowing down to the one that you'd least expect. like a peasant infant from Palestine. The choice is yours. May the Spirit guide. Amen.